Hey there, my name is Andrew Sheehan and welcome to another edition of Recruiters Review. As we all know, Christmas and year ends can be a stressful time, both personally and professionally. Work without a stress has soared in recent years, and a recent report by the Economic and Social Research Institute revealed and proved that we're still not taking employee mental health seriously enough. This will come as no surprise to many of you, not only because you are most likely experiencing that increased stress yourself, but because our guest has been talking about this steady climb towards critical stress levels for some time now. So this week, we handed the mic over to one of Ireland's leading editors, Jenny Darmody. Jenny is the careers editor at Silicon Republic and constantly writes about changes in the workplace and what the future of work means. If you haven't already guessed it, Jenny is also extremely passionate about mental well-being and maintaining a healthy work-life balance, even as the lines between work and life continue to blur. In this chat with Jenny, we discuss some of the steps employers can take to proactively prevent staff burnout. Any employers who are listening or managers should really look back at their you know, their employee turnover, their previous experiences, their previous one-to-one conversations with their employees, any exit interviews they've had and think, what was said that I could make a difference about? What, what has come up that might be an issue that might cause overwork for other people or might cause stress or burnout that we haven't done anything about yet? That's the first step. We call out an employer's duty of care in relation to their staff and staff burnout. You need to learn how to be a manager and it is separate from whatever your job is. It's not just a matter of managing the tasks, it's about managing people. And part of that is looking out for burnout and making sure that your people aren't overworked and things like that. And you'll also get a sense of Jenny's thoughts on work-life balance. I love my job, I'm extremely passionate about it, as I'm sure you can tell. I talk about careers outside of work, sure, and I'm very passionate about it. But I leave my office work at the office and I come home and I live my life. If you like what you hear and you want to hear more, you can tune in or download further episodes of Recruiters Review on our SoundCloud and iTunes stations. So, without further ado, let's hop into the studio. We're joined with Jenny Darmody. Jenny, welcome to Recruiters Review. It's great to have you here. Thank you for having me. No problem at all. So, just to get us started, you are careers editor at one of Ireland's fastest growing tech publications, Silicon Republic. So, how did you get yourself into that cool position? Um, the short answer is I applied for one position and they decided to actually say we have another one coming up if you want to go for that one instead and we think your experience would be better fit and that was a careers reporter two years ago and then I you know progressed in that role and got promoted and stuff I did journalism in college you see so that's sort of my trajectory and I came Mm. from lifestyle journalism it was a bit of a weird one like I used to write about weddings and cake trends and things like that and then I moved into tech careers that is some transition yeah so it's just your you were just had a good natural ability to write and you could pretty much write about almost anything i mean the podcast probably won't show my pink face when uh compliments come about myself but i (laughs) writing was always my favorite thing that Mm. i was able to do and i was interested in it from when i was young really so journalism was always the Mm. the natural kind of way for me and features was always my favorite as well so i never really had an exact interest about what i wanted to write about but i knew i wanted to do features and more in-depth things rather than straight news journalism so that's Mm. kind of how i ended up going into lifestyle and then eventually tech careers okay and so now you're in tech careers have you grown to love it or did you find that 
that how have I never wrote about this up before I love it I mean when I started I was terrified because I didn't know very much at all about the Zytec industry and I'd, I'd read Silicon Republic but I didn't think I I wasn't totally sure of myself and the abilities that I'd have writing about all that stuff but because the career section has turned into sort of a beast of a you know it's advice for career people it's more general stuff as well as the SciTech stuff I have a huge interest in the SciTech industry now there's so much that I know now that I didn't before that I can knowledgeably talk about but also I didn't know I had such a passion for people's careers and mental health and well-being and you know anything to do with the work-life balance and careers and everything like that that's a huge passion for me now Mm. so it was sort of a hidden one that I didn't Mm. know about but which is what we're here to talk about today just Mm. that whole area and topic around burnout yeah and you know I think traditionally I, I don't know for me anyway Ireland um doesn't have a history of overworking mm. and burnout, but I've noticed in the last six, seven years that burnout is becoming a very, very common thing. Mm. Where has that all come from? Where has that culture of overworking come from? I don't know exactly where it's come from. I'd like, I mean, there's a lot of stuff from the US that always kind of just naturally tracks over to the West or to, you know, Ireland and the UK. I wouldn't blame the US. It's just a trend that kind of seems to every trend seems to just go around the world really gradually and now luckily we're starting to kind of fight back against the overwork but for years there was this sort of you couldn't go onto the internet without seeing an article about how to get the most out of your day how to use those last three minutes how to work through your lunch break and get to the top Mm. like so many success and reaching to the top and stretching yourself and overworking playing the game almost yeah Mm. like max productivity like how to really squeeze the extra minutes out and that was the trend and that was like everyone was reading that and being like yeah how can I do the most I could possibly do in a day how can I fit everything I possibly can in I could skip my lunches I can come in a half an hour early I'm still reading advice that's Mm. saying how do you move forward in your career sometimes coming in that extra bit early is a great idea and sometimes staying that a little bit late really shows your boss that you're Mm. committed and Mm. I'm just like nauseated by it because it's such a bad culture to be encouraging people to stay and work longer for no reason I think you're absolutely right and I think that whole mentality from an employer's perspective of you know or even in your own head sorry as an employee in your own head if I just come in a little bit early and do a little bit more work you know I'll start to get probably that promotion or whatever that is but I wonder is that something in the employee's head or are we seeing more that that's actually a a hidden culture in the company that's starting to be reflected in employees mindsets Mm. I think it's definitely the second one because yes it is in employees and there are certain people who just want to overstretch and things like that but it's not healthy and I think the vast majority of us don't want to overwork we don't want to come in early and we don't want to stay late you know so the reason that we're doing that and the reason that we think that we're doing it is for ourselves but really it's a societal thing Mm. it's a work thing it's employers kind of consciously or otherwise putting that on their employees you know if you know your day ends at five o'clock and you look around and no one has left their desk at quarter past five you're going to feel like you need to stay Mm. because otherwise you're not putting in as much work as everybody Mm. else and Mm. if your boss is still there at six seven eight o'clock at night that's going to have an effect on your psyche and what you think is expected of you Mm -hmm. so then what in your opinion is an employer's duty of care in relation to staff burnout i think I think burnout needs to be seen as sickness and illness and you know something that needs to be looked after so 
if you are an employer and you have an employee who comes in with the flu you don't want that person here infecting everybody getting sick not doing their job to the best of their abilities making mistakes and ultimately having to be out for maybe two weeks after that so you would send them home mm. someone with burnout has this exact same problem it's just not physical cold and flu symptoms it's still someone who's coming in they have a they're they're starting to get negative in their own ways they're starting to get less productive you know you don't want an employee who's unhappy in their work because mm. they won't care about it they won't put in the work that they want to or should and they'll start to infect other people around them as well because other people are going to feed off that sort of energy and stuff it's it's not a good way to be yeah it's some of the the hidden costs of mm. burnout but which we'll definitely come back to in a bit but it's interesting that you kind of use the metaphor of um a cold or a flu against um, employee burnout uh, with a cold or a flu not always but most of the times you can see the symptoms mm-hmm. uh, coming you know your, your throat starts getting sore mm-hmm. your, your nose starts getting a little bit runnier um, but with burnout quite often it actually creeps up on people and mm-hmm. then one day it's like I can't move yeah. I'm burnt out um, how does an employer stand a chance in that regard to recognise these symptoms and what can they do to I suppose better recognise them it is difficult for employers, you know, because it's the same as, I suppose, if someone comes in literally coughing all over the place, you're able to be like, you're clearly sick, go home. But most people come in with a little tickle in their throat, infecting people, and, you know, they don't say anything either. So it's no easier to detect from an employer's point of view. But creating a culture that allows employees to come to you and say, I'm a bit stressed, I'm a bit overworked, I'm feeling a bit burnt out, you know, because there is a delicate situation where employers can't necessarily go to an employee that they're worried about genuinely worried about and say it because I know from my point of view if my boss came to me and was genuinely concerned about me and even if I was feeling burnt out you know if they were like we've noticed you know your work is a bit it, mm-hmm. it can come across a bit oh my god is my work failing am I in trouble like that sort of thing so it's very difficult for employers to be able to say that but I do still think if you had a good culture mm and employees feel like they can come to their boss even if they don't come the boss who has a good culture will be able to get that message across better Mm. so it's not as simple as suddenly turning around and being like are you okay because if you have a bad culture that's going to sound like you're in trouble yeah yeah i i see what you're i see what you're saying there so it, it really is more of a case of even if people don't want to take part in some of the things we do to improve burnout that's fine but by doing those things, and, and hopefully you'll tell us a few mm. of those ways that employers can you know, improve or reduce uh, mm. the, the potential of burnout. But by having those things in place, it actually gives employees the comfort of knowing mm-hmm. that if they are feeling burnt out or becoming burnt out, that it, it's, they're not afraid yeah. to take part in these things. Where if, if they're not there at all, it's a case of, God, if I even raise my voice about this now, they're just going to think I'm slacking or mm-hmm. I'm fed up or maybe I'm moving job or something weird like that. Yeah. And therefore, you're much less likely to bring it up. And therefore, it's just going to keep on building mm. and building and building. So what are some of those things that employers, um, HR managers, uh, marketing managers, you know, anyone really, you know, mm-hmm. management, does, you know, this is anyone's particular res- responsibility or maybe it is. But what can they put in place to prevent burnout 
as opposed to solving it when it's already there yeah well the first thing i would actually say is there's very few companies i would say in the entire world that haven't already come across someone who suffered from burnout in their company or someone who's left for reasons to do with overwork or burnout or there's been a problem that may look like burnout or close to burnout so the first thing i always am very into self-reflection so any employers who are listening or managers should really look back at their you know their employee turnover their previous experiences their previous one-to-one conversations with their employees any exit interviews they've had and think what was said that I could make a difference about what what has come up that might be an issue that might cause overwork for other people or might cause stress or burnout that we haven't done anything about yet that's the first step because exit interviews are one of the most amazing tools for an Mm. employer to have because Mm. you will get a no holds barred understanding of the company even if that employee is leaving you know it's the best experience in the world they will still be honest and say you know these few things could be improved Mm. and if you do nothing with that information you might as well have not had one Mm. so the self-reflection is most important so even though you know that's kind of prevention after the fact it's still something that it's a starting point basically it's what are we doing wrong and what can we do from there because you can't just put things in place when you don't even know what you're lacking or what the problem might be yeah i've it makes complete sense and this might sound silly to the listeners but i often kind of question what the purpose of a um a leaving interview uh, was um but it, it it is at a time where the employee has no reason not to tell you the truth mm-hmm. about it. And you don't want to burn bridges. Yeah. Right? You don't want to go, this no. is the worst place ever, I'm leaving because of X, Y, and Z. But um, an honest question, you'll probably get an honest answer. Yeah. Which is a really nice thing. That, that makes complete sense. And it is really good advice for anyone that's currently not doing those, um, you know, leaving interviews yeah. um, currently. And that kind of brings me to my next point because... A lot of um, our listeners would not be HR professionals, or mm-hmm. and a lot of them are founders, in fact, of startups that don't, can't justify having a HR team to be managing this all the time. Yeah. Um, who who who's responsible for this in, in that regard? Uh, is it is it line managers? Is it the founder? Is it? I'm really glad you brought that up because my experience, I've never worked at a company that had a, an official sort of HR department. Mm. I've never worked at a company big enough. Media, traditionally, those smaller publications and things like that don't have them. So it's not okay to just wash your hands of it if you don't have a HR department. And I'm not here to say you absolutely need to get one because I understand like a lot of companies don't have the resources to have a full HR department. But I've learned something else really interesting about HR departments I know people who have them and if they aren't properly sort of trained or if their job job sort of description is 99% recruitment that HR person isn't going to be as valuable anyway in this sort of aspect so absolutely anyone who manages anyone and I mean if you are a manager of one other person you are responsible for making sure that that person even if it's just one person is not burnt out if you're a people manager in any respect and if that's founder you mark you're a marketing manager who has two people underneath you you are someone who has one person who's your teammate but you're their lead you have to look after that person Mm. that's your responsibility so anyone who manages anyone it's your responsibility in some way and managers not all managers get formal management training either like you 
you know again in small companies you get promoted you're managing a team all of a sudden but you didn't go to business school and become a manager as sort of your career your Mm. career is what your career is Mm. and you happen to be a manager you need to learn how to be a manager and it Mm. is separate from whatever your job is it's not just a matter of managing the tasks it's about managing people and part of that is looking out for burnout and making sure that your people aren't overworked and Mm -hmm. things like that Mm -hmm. so we're we're kind of you know we're, we're putting a lot of the onus back on employers but is it fair to say that burnout can come from outside the office too mm. it can be for personal reasons that are outside the control of uh, employers uh, so how do how do employers or managers manage that then that aspect of it yeah it absolutely burnout can come from personal and external reasons and also employees you know there is a part to play for them as well there's a lot of advice out there about employees you know watching out for their own burnout levels which is why I think it's so important to come at it from employers point of view because there's not a whole lot out there for them and even if it is work related it might not be the employer's fault it might not be to do with bad practices it might be that particular person is putting a lot of stress on themselves it might be work related but it might be them Mm. but that doesn't mean that an employer has nothing to do with it because you know again you still have a duty of care you as an employer didn't physically give a person a cold but that doesn't mean you don't have to look after them still in some way so again having a culture that means that they can come to you and reaching out to them and making sure that they're okay is really important and if someone comes to you with a personal sort of problem that is causing burnout or is you know I have this problem first of all they don't have to tell you what it is and you don't need to know to help them you can tell them you absolutely don't have to tell me anything but just so that you know we're here for you whatever you need if you need some time off we'll get cover we'll do whatever needs to be done if you need you know to leave early one day or if you need to come in late whatever you need we're here for you Mm -hmm. even saying that Mm -hmm. is enough to make someone feel really relieved and know that they're not going to get fired if they suddenly have to take Mm -hmm. a lot of leave for some reason you know and again none of this means that you have to know what the problem is. You just need to know that this person needs a bit of a break or needs some time off or needs some responsibilities taken from them briefly while they sort of get their stuff together. Mm. And knowing that is one of the most important things you can do as a manager. Yeah, okay. And I suppose bringing it back to brass tacks, right, as a manager, I've worked in a few different companies in my career now, some really, really big, some medium, some public, some private, uh, and some really, really uh, small. And I'm at recruiters now, and I must say, and as you know, I've talked about this a couple of times, mm-hmm. the culture here is, is really, really excellent. And the guys have worked really, really hard at putting in a good culture in place. Uh, we have things like Project Revive, where we get two months paid sabbatical after five years of service, if you will. Mm-hmm. But what I've noticed is that as a result of this good culture and this well-being um, mentality that runs throughout the office, I am definitely more productive here than mm. I have been in, in a lot of other jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are some of the costs of burnout? Or put the glove on your hand, what are some of the benefits of minding your staff in terms of burnout? Well, as you said, if you're happy in your job, you're going to be more productive. That's basic maths. Like That's just set in stone it's all but proven scientifically it might even be proven scientifically it's heavily researched and found there's no reason for an employer to ever 
not care about burnout because if someone is burnt out they're not going to want to work if they come in like they're more likely to get sick as well if you're burnt out your immune system is lower so you're more likely to actually get sick physically from colds and flus you will actually take sick leave you will feel like you don't want to go in therefore you might not go in and when you do you're not productive you're not interested in working as hard you might make mistakes you care less about your work it's very very basic sort of the work just isn't going to be as good the work might not even be there because Mm. the person is just shattered burnout is a diagnosed thing it's not like the same as saying i feel really tired today burnout is something you go to the doctor with to say i'm feeling really stressed i'm feeling exhausted i can't get out of bed i'm unhappy in work and they will say you have burnout like Mm. that is a diagnosed thing Mm. so it's not just a buzzword yeah it's not just oh, I'm feeling tired and I'm so burnt out like it's an actual thing it's mm. like people who think that they have migraines when it's just a headache and migraines a separate thing burnout is a separate thing too I'm feeling a bit tired or lacking lacking in energy and like a cold um, I imagine burnout is quite contagious too mm. um, if somebody's burnt out on your team I can I imagine that can start spreading on your team it does something quite toxic about that yeah it can certainly have a ripple effect and particularly even in places i know i've i've again i have friends who've worked in various places and they get on really well with their colleagues and they have a really nice kind of work atmosphere but only by virtue of their colleagues but it might not be the greatest place to work and if someone if one of them gets burnt out because they're getting overworked or stressed even though you as their friend might not be burnt out and you're not exactly catching their burnout but you're sad and dejected because they're getting burnt out and you're just thinking oh this is a nightmare of a place and this isn't really helping and like oh poor person over there like is just getting overworked and it's terrible you start to have a negative negative kind of aspect of the company you have a negative view of how they're treating that person and by virtue you start to think this isn't a great place to work and you start to realise that the camaraderie isn't enough and then you start getting burned out. That's sort of how it kind of goes like a virus, you know? And then this starts going into the whole territory of staff retention. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, which is a major, major thing because that's the other tangible cost, which is it costs money to replace people. It costs money to train people. It costs resources. I've read various statistics, one of which is it can cost you a year of that person's salary worth of sort of resources and time Mm. to put into hiring a new person Mm. so if you have a turnover that you know every six months someone is leaving that's not an anomaly that's a trend Mm -hmm. and that's something you need to be watching out for and again even if you want to put it down to oh they just got a better job or they did this or they did that there might be an anomaly for every single person but there's probably not it's Mm. probably Mm. a trend and you've got to watch out for that Mm. and even if there are individual reasons there's no excuse for a high turnover really except Mm. in very specific industries call centers and things like that places that you expect a high turnover but even then you need to watch and make sure it's not suddenly spiking Mm -hmm. how can we on it's on staff retention because a big piece of staff retention actually is obviously putting the right person in place to begin with yeah and when you're interviewing people when we're interviewing people here recruiters we're not only looking for skills match but we're also looking for cultural and personality match as Mm -hmm. well for the employees, how can they tell the difference between them being overworked, right, and um, just, you know, not feeling great about the role at all, and simply just not being able to handle the work? So what's, for an employee, basically, what's the difference between feeling burnt out 
and just not being able to handle their job. So from an employee point of view, again, I love self-reflection. So, you know, there's been times when I've been, I've, I haven't been burnt out, thankfully, in my life, but I have been stressed and felt overworked. And the best thing you can do as an employee is be like, okay, how do I know what the difference is, as you said? And it really is looking at your work and deciding how long everything should take. You know, literally map out your time. Spend two weeks mapping out what you've done for the last two weeks, what you need to do in the last two weeks and decide how realistically those timings fit. And if you look at that and you're like, oh, I have twice the amount of work that any human could physically do in that time, that's not your problem, that's their problem. Mm -hmm. And if you start to see sort of where the time is falling down on your part, then you're like, well, I'll need to rearrange that. Employees have a responsibility to try and fix it first, but they need to fix it for their own health. They need to be like, how can I not get burnt out and overworked, but still kind of get my stuff done? And if they rearrange it and work it better and it's still not enough, then it's time to go to a manager. Mm-hmm. It, it comes back to what you're taught as a kid. Just do your best mm. and your best is good enough. Yeah. And it's kind of, there's something in what you're saying there around if you've, if you're confident in your ability and you're confident knowing that you've done your best and you're still burnt out or you're still, you know, you're still feeling that like no matter what I do is not mm. good enough here. That's definitely an early symptom. Yeah. And it's, it is up to you as well to go to the manager and say it. And that's when the employer really needs to take that on board and then take it yeah. from there. Yeah. Yeah, you know? and you're putting the onus back on them as well and yeah. not keeping it all on your shoulders. Yeah, and mm. it should be it should be back on them mm. because ultimately, and I've said this to many people who have felt imposter syndrome about getting a new job and things like that and felt a bit overwhelmed, and that can happen at the start and it doesn't necessarily mean anything. It could just be teething problems. Mm-hmm. If you weren't up to the job, they wouldn't have given it to you. Yeah. Any good interview, if you've won out against other people, it means you were the best person for the job, which means you should be up to the job. And if you trust the person who hired you then you are up to the job so look at what else is probably playing a part or at hand you might Mm. just have too many responsibilities they might have given you extra tasks that they didn't realize would take up your time Mm. it might be a simple matter of rearranging things or it might be that the job itself is too much Mm. and they need to look at that then you might be putting on yourself because sometimes people get jobs above them Mm -hmm. and they're told look they believe in you if they're giving you this job they think you can do it and then sometimes as a result of that then we try to make up for that ourselves even yeah and what happens there i think anyway you might correct me on this is that we start um overstretching ourselves because you know we feel that um i I have to do this because i feel myself that this job is above me and i need to keep uh, those expectations of my employers right Mm -hmm. up there right but the problem with that is that if they see you coming in really early and working really, really late, there's two things there. One, it gives off bad signals to an employer because they might feel, I think, I don't know, like he or she seems to be working too hard, mm-hmm. you know? And the other side, then, it's some employers might see that and go, let's give them more because we yeah. know that they are willing to yeah. come in early and stay late. So yeah. let's just keep on bring, putting it to them until they just explode. Yeah, and that's the cynical side and it's totally 100% true. Employers, and again, even from a more innocent point of view, they'll naturally just, you know, people just can take from people who give it to you, basically. So if you keep giving an employer your time, 
they won't say like you know managers should and I've been very lucky like my manager does say it and this is part of the culture thing that's so important mm. I feel part of a culture that actively says why are you still here it's mm. after half five mm. it's that sort of putting that in but like bigger bosses higher up bosses other companies a lot of the vast majority of people won't say why are you still here at mm. 10 past six or whatever they'll just it's just take note of it for future yeah, yeah they'll just kind of go okay yeah mm. they won't have a problem and the one of the best pieces of advice I ever got um, and it's the only thing that can make an employee switch off sometimes um, especially someone as you said who feels like they need to put in that extra work is just a mental shift which is it's not that you need to put in the extra work and you'll look really impressive you should think of it as they'll see you as needing to put in the extra work mm. just to deliver mm. so you should make sure that you can actually do it in the time that you have yeah. because you don't want to set yourself up to fail yeah that's why I hate those pieces of advice that say oh come in a bit early and stay a bit late that's not telling me that you're a committed worker that's telling me that you need an extra hour that everybody else doesn't so yeah, yeah. that doesn't look good so mm. you should show that you can come in on time leave on time and take a full lunch break mm. and whatever you get done in that time is exactly what you're able to get done yeah really good advice so I just wanted to call this out because you know I actually really really enjoyed the article <laughs> um, but I could I could tell the I could tell the emotion behind the words you know <laughs> I, I, could, I really could but um, you recently wrote an article uh, on work-life balance yeah and you pulled out a quote uh, from Amazon's CEO uh Jeff Bezos, am I pronouncing that right? And just for our listeners, I'll I'll put out the quote here. He said, in relation to uh, work-life balance, I get asked about, and I quote, I get asked about work-life balance all the time. And my view is, that's a deliberating phrase because it implies there's a strict trade-off. And the reality is, if I am happy at home, I come into the office with tremendous energy. And if I am happy at work, I come home with tremendous energy. It's actually a circle. It's not a balance. What did you... What what was wrong with that quote? He... Look, this is clearly the hill I'm going to die on. Um, I take issue with it because if he says that just on its own, doesn't that sound all lovely and happy? You know, if I'm happy in my job, I'm happy at home and everything's happy and it's lovely... But my specific problem, and it's not just with him, it's with a lot of other CEOs and people who just like to say things for Mm. the sake of it. Just because you are extremely successful in one situation doesn't mean you have a platform to say all of these other things for no reason. Just throwing things out. So I just feel like he picks on the term work-life balance and decides I don't like it because it shouldn't be a trade-off. It shouldn't be a balance. I prefer work-life blend or I prefer work-life harmony. And my issue is he's picking on the wrong fight. Like he shouldn't be wasting his energy in the place that he is. The amount of articles written about what Jeff Bezos says. Like there's so many that's just like, this is what he said. You won't believe his secrets to success. People will listen to it. People will lap it up. And to use your platform to just give out about a term just seems like a wasted opportunity to me. And in my opinion... It is a trade-off. Mm. Yeah, sure, you can be happy in work and then you're happy at home and then when you're happy at home, you're happy at work. It's lovely and it's all it's all wonderful and rainbows. But 
it is a trade-off I don't live to work I work to live so my job I leave it at the door like I love my job I'm extremely passionate about it as I'm sure you can tell Mm -hmm. I talk about careers outside of work sure and I'm very passionate about it but I leave my office work at the office and I come home and I live my life Mm -hmm. I don't think about work at the weekend I don't worry about our website or you know what's going on in the world of careers I listen sure I am an ingester of news but I I do not have a blend of work life my entire Mm. time it's great and look he owns a business I'm sure there is much more of a blend in that perspective but I just think talking about how I don't like the term work-life balance it's already a difficult enough word to have to kind of champion mm. as as a careers editor I feel like every time I write it I hear some amount of readers thinking oh work-life balance mm. another buzzword mm. wellness the problem with buzzwords is people tune them out it's it's the same as diversity when people hear the word diversity they're like oh yeah diversity it's just another buzzword and then people start to listen less and diversity is really important and wellness is really important and work-life balance is really important and being able to leave work at the door is the reason that people don't burn out Mm. so making it a circle will just make people think about work all the time Mm, and it's just not healthy yeah yeah and we're all fairly guilty of checking emails at home and and yeah. the boss and that kind of good stuff I don't have my email on my phone mm. for mm. that exact reason mm. because there is no email in my inbox that mm. is important after half five there's just not and if anything is if there's some massive careers emergency I can reachable on the phone but my email doesn't need to be on my phone that's not mm. necessary I don't think that's necessary for anyone yeah. really. I, I need to start sending my articles during the day in that case you're just not receiving them at night time <laughs> <laughs> but just going on okay because and you know what I I do tend to agree with you. I must say, when I read that, I was like, oh my God, I've never looked at work-life circle. That's pretty interesting. Um, and you are one of yeah, millions, I'd yeah. say, who has read the various terms. And look, you take what from you want, from what you take what you want from what he says. So mm. if you're being healthy about it, great. I just think he could use his platform to much better you know situations mm-hmm. I mean particularly in a time when Amazon as a company is particularly being looked at for work place balance and workplace sort of practices and things like that I don't think he is the person to be saying "Mm, I think we should marry work and life together I think maybe we shouldn't marry work and life together I think we should very much keep them segregated okay yeah okay now very strongly very strongly opinionated but you know you're you're backing up with with logical stuff there as well and um, I guess from my experience you know I've always found that if I'm enjoying what I do uh, I don't mind when or where I do it. Mm-hmm. It's when I'm when I'm working at something that is just an uphill battle. Mm-hmm. You know, I will I will avoid it at all costs. So I guess the motto of the story, mm-hmm. and you might pr- tell me otherwise, is just to, you know, this this comes to college, this comes to your profession as well, and it's easier saying than doing it, but it's just finding that thing that makes you really really happy. Mm. And if you find that in life, great. And if you find it in work, even better. Yeah, I know it's a bit of a. I know it's a bit of a. I don't know what the word is, but it is true. I mean, like I was an accountant for years, and I loved the people I worked with. I loved our clients, in fact, as well. But I was just no good at accounting, and I got by because I got on with people. Mm-hmm. So I went from being the senior accounting guy right back into following my passion for marketing and going as as a marketing junior. That I just found this whole new lease of energy and life. Mm-hmm. Just really enjoyed it a lot more. Yeah. Um, 
you know, that's, that's just my take on it, I guess. Yeah, you know, no, absolutely. And that work-life balance kind of thing. Yeah, it's important for anyone to kind of find what they're doing, that they love what they do for one way or another. But it's also important, and this is another kind of trope that I hate when people say, if you you know love what you do you never work a day in your life mm. I love what I do I really I know, I really know, love yeah. what I do I still work yes, like I'm yeah. not going to pretend that I don't go to work every day and that it's not work and that I'm not tired on a, at 9am don't feel bad mm. if you are tired when you go to work basically just because you can suffer from burnout or get tired or a bit fed up or have a bit of a crap day it doesn't mean you're suddenly not passionate about what you do it mm. doesn't mean that you're in the wrong calling mm. you know that's a separate thing that you need to look at if it's constant and you're really not happy in your actual day-to-day work then you do need to look at that and you should find a passion but people who are passionate about what they do can still suffer from all of these things and it's important for them to know that you know they're not failing at Mm -hmm. finding their passion they're not failing at you know having a career or being successful these are just things that happen and you just need to look after yourself on that note we will end the topic on um well-being or should i say being overworked um so as part of this podcast, Recruiters Review, we ask all of our guests a couple of quick fire rounds of questions. Sure. And I haven't, you haven't seen these, these of course, surprise. obviously. Yeah, these are a surprise. <laughs> I sent you a, a bit of a structure uh, earlier on um, around what you know we'd love to talk about in terms of burnout. Mm. Are you ready for the, the quick fires? Sure. I'm here now anyway. <laughs> all right. Okay. So um, first quick fire. First, or sorry, favorite underused wellness tactic at the office oh underused wellness tactic Mm, just from your own productivity point of view even conscious procrastination I think that people can feel really bad about procrastinating sometimes in work and you know oh no no, I've been on Twitter for 20 minutes and you know if you don't realise the time is going it can feel a bit bad but if you feel a bit distracted and you feel a bit worn out take an take a knowing break and go on twitter for 20 minutes take your take your have a cup of tea do a little internet browse go on facebook for 20 minutes it's not the end of the world go back to your task you'll feel more refreshed mm, get out of your system yeah i like that okay second quick fire who do you think and you, this can be a company or a ceo or a manager that you've worked with in the past but who do you think we can all learn most from in terms of avoiding burnout oh Is anyone inspiring company that are just doing great stuff in this space um, I mean, I really like what HubSpot do. You know, HubSpot, I've kind of looked on LinkedIn for a while and they really seem to look after their employees really, really well. I haven't worked too much with them or I haven't had too many dealings with them, but just from how much their employees blatantly seem to love working there and the retention on their staff seems really good. So they do have wellness kind of, I think they have wellness programs and they do look after their staff from a mental health point of view. So I think they do really good stuff. I'd also like to name check my own manager. Um, Elaine Burke because she has taught me the real value of taking time back and making sure I'm not overworking and stuff and she almost by herself is the reason that I have learned how to kind of you know look after myself wellness wise and make sure that I am taking full lunch breaks and I am because I used to be guilty of kind of overworking and maximum productivity and she is the person who told me you know you work for this amount of time in the day and whatever you get done in that time is what you got done that day and that's it so she's been a great inspiration to yeah. me personally yeah almost kind of like less is more sometimes yeah mm. and I, I, everyone that I know that work, works at HubSpot as well you know they always have great things to say about mm. it too so uh, I have to agree with you there too a third uh, quick fire 
one thing you do every day to enhance your own energy levels other than tea and coffee oh other than tea and coffee I was literally just about to say how much caffeine I take in a day which is not healthy and not something I should be encouraging do you walk anyway. to work or I walk some of the way I do get mm. the bus um, up to Constitution Hill and our mm. office is in the Guinness Storehouse so it's about a 10-15 minute walk and I feel pretty smug about that little level of health because I'm very very bad at exercising so I like to think that that walk is kind of does, do. yeah. does me for the day yeah. yeah but kind of as well just taking little breaks and walks around you know we have um some would see it as a a bad thing but I see it as a benefit where we have to walk down several flights of stairs to get to the kitchen and to go to the bathroom and things like that so those little kind of walks out of the office mm-hmm. just cut a little air even just two minutes is, mm-hmm. is helpful to okay. me as well. cool and we, as you know we have loads of stairs here as well <laughs> recruiters these old Georgian buildings are beautiful but yeah no elevators well now I've given you an excuse to say that they're a positive thing exactly exactly okay uh, second last quick fire one book that has really inspired you and why Ah. I wish I was prepared for that question. <laughs> I say, I say you read a lot. I do, but it's a lot of fiction. <laughs> okay, well, that's fine. Um, this is a little off the cuff just because it's my favourite book ever, but um, Stephen King on writing is one of my favourite books to go back to repeatedly, and it is non-fiction, so I feel like it counts. Um, even if you're not someone who's particularly interested in writing, his sort of motivation and his sort of no-nonsense sort of this is how you get stuff done particularly for following your passion sort of stuff because he's very much like anyone who says they don't have time to write they're not going to be a writer because if you don't have time then you're not making enough time for it basically so mm-hmm. that's the same for anything I think mm-hmm. that has always kind of resonated with me when you say oh I'd love to do this but I don't have time find the time like mm-hmm. it's sort of just like nah too bad and he's got a lot of really nice stories and stuff and I just I'm obsessed with Stephen King anyway okay. so his writing is really nice okay I just have to check it out I haven't mm. uh, I hadn't even heard of it until now but I definitely will for Christmas maybe yeah okay uh, last quick fire top tip for a person interviewing on your team what do you look for in, in people or journalists uh, if I as an interviewer yeah yeah exactly someone's coming to interview to be on your mm-hmm. um, career editing team sure uh, what, what do you look for called. yeah exactly <laughs> what do you look for in, in, in people when they come interview at you at um, Silicon Republic I suppose energy and interest in what we're doing and kind of what the passion is I actually did have to hire uh, someone for our career editing team there you go yeah and the person that I did hire Eva she's brilliant and she really knew about Silicon Republic and she really believed in sort of the messages that we have as well so similar to what you said about recruiters and how the messages and the mission statements are really important Silicon Republic isn't just um, a news website about science and technology we have beliefs that if you read about it and know it you'll know what those beliefs are and they are about diversity they are about gender equality in the industry they are about showing all different sides of the sci-tech industry and particularly in careers that would be important Mm. and bringing things like that up in an interview show me that you've done your research beyond reading the website Mm. which is Mm. you know you can do that five minutes before the interview Mm. but if you really believe in the company show me with Mm -hmm. something a little extra yeah okay now it's and it's good advice for all interviewers I think as you said somebody can go on google news and see what the company's been up to for the last couple of days in the news or wherever it is but it's about really understanding the essence of a company and the mm. values and, and why we're all here and yeah. if, if they want in. Yeah, know. I think from an interview point of view, actually, um, if you go onto your company's webpage five minutes before you're about to interview someone and see what you 
could pick up if you were to interview and see what they say and you'll know if they did the same thing or if they actually know the company mm-hmm. well Jenny I must say it's been a pleasure having you here on Recruiters Review um, we'd love to have you much. on again in the future at some point you know maybe on any other topic that you have a passion for as well but for now where can our listeners go to find out a little bit more about you your writing um, at Silicon Republic or your own writing yeah so Silicon Republic I mean forward slash careers is the careers website but you know it's got other subheadings and things like that so if you go on Silicon and anywhere that's orange basically the orange is kind of the career section color so you'll find all of our career stuff there and we kind of post a couple of times a day and things like that i'm on twitter as well at jenny underscore darmody i think is my handle we'll find you um yeah it's fairly straightforward great thanks jenny it's been a pleasure me too thank you you've been listening to the recruiters review podcast for more episodes visit soundcloud.com forward slash recruiters review if you'd like to subscribe search for recruiters review in itunes And for even more great content, check out recruiters.ie forward slash blog. Recruiters.ie, we're looking for you.